edition of Tales from the East End, episode number 33, sponsored by Peachtree East. Um, now, we have a lot to talk about today, Carl. Uh, we're gonna, say that again. We're going to discuss the Drada, the Dark Games, Sligo on Friday. We have the Under-19s feature with Aidan Price and Richie English, and there's questions from the East End with Cameron King and Dean Carpenter. So, as usual, it is me, Gary Parsons, along with the prof, Carl Riley, and uh, we've just about recovered from this week, Carl. It's been emotional. Yeah, I'm still exhausted. Roller coaster ride of emotions. I think like a lot of people, I didn't really sleep much on Tuesday night. I had a. I'll talk about my feelings later on. We'll get emotional yeah. later, but it really was a mixed bag of emotions, wasn't it? Yeah. But we're going to go back to last week's show quickly. And Nick Clark said, It's great listening again, lads. Just wondering, what the hell am I going to listen to during the off season? So we've been thinking about that, Carl. We're definitely going to have Monday Madness. But other than that, it's going to be tough. I mean, we might have to hide up a tree at the Roadstone during silly season to report, <laughs> report on transfer rumours because other than that, there won't be much to talk about. Well, officially, we've only three shows left after yeah. this. So stay tuned. We will come up with something. I mean, I presume the players will be training 52 weeks of the year. Not 52 weeks of the year, but they will continue to train in the off-season considering they're full-time now. So mm. uh, we will probably... Take a couple of trips up the road, so have a bit of crack of the players. Think of something. We'll think of something to give you your weekly fix. Just to mention, remember that show where we had Trevor and Tomer doing uh, questions from the East End? Remember we were mentioning how many listens that had been getting? It's actually up to three and a half thousand now. Three and a half thousand. And Tommy Cahill mentioned this, that uh, when you listen to something like on the official Robbers channel on SoundCloud, that's the episode it brings you to immediately. So it brings you to, after you finish listening to Bradley or whatever, then you hear Trevor swearing into the song Heartbeat every single time. Yeah, I, I think they're all just real listens, Carl. Do not knock our listens. They're not accidental listens. No, I'm not saying they're <laughs> accidental. I'm just saying it's funny how it just jumps into that. Yeah, I wonder where he picked that one. That's no, because of so many listens. That's why SoundCloud is directing oh, you so to it. Oh, so it just directs you to it. Yeah. So you have uh, you've uncovered the truth behind the Portaloo celebrations. Yeah, the two of them have been identified. The two lads that came out of the Portaloos, they were... Lee Barnwell Good old Barney And Ian Kavanagh And uh, Barney says Great show again lads I was one of the blokes Who came running out of the Port Lewis When we scored I had a mad few minutes I thought I'd lost me wallet While taking a piss in the Port Lewis Good luck fishing that out yeah. Heard the roar go up Assumed Dundalk had scored So I was really devastated Between me wallet And Dundalk scoring Then I opened the door Of the Port Lewis To see robbers gone nuts Charged out like a madman we sailed to be greeted by a metal barrier coming down, <laughs> celebrated like a lunatic among the other lunatics, only to realise I hadn't lost me wallet and all. 
Talk about a roller coaster of emotions, and a severely gargled head digesting it all. I wouldn't expect that unless Barney. Um, that was a great old story, wasn't it? <laughs> Uh, so in a letter sent to the Dundalk Democrat, the incidents that occurred inside and outside of Oriel Park came up for discussion. So we have a letter here. It was, Dear Sir, I know there was no mention of Dundalk fans in the stand throwing coins at Rovers fans, among among them women and children. Please endeavour to report all incidents rather than just one side of the story. I've been to Oriel Park many times and the home fans are not entirely blameless. FAO should have ensured all fans were searched thoroughly on approach to the ground. It seems the media are only interested in reporting incidents of Shamrock Rovers matches. There was not one report mentioning seats wrecked in Tallis Stadium when Dundalk played the European matches there last season. Rovers fans are not the only ones to use flare at matches, flares at matches, but you never hear about the other clubs' fans doing likewise, e.g. Cork, Pats and Dundalk. Whilst I don't condone the throwing of a flare onto the pitch, I believe the stewards may have done more harm than good by not kicking it off the pitch instead of stamping on it. Also, I underwent, I underwent steward training. We were always told to have the bucket of sand at the ready. Anyway, SRFC will no doubt be fined again and they will have taken measures at Tala to ensure fans are aware of the implications of any further incidents. And that is signed PL. Who's the guesses to who that is, Carol? Wow, he's a very sensible man, whoever he is. PL. Could be an alias. It could be real. We don't know, but PL. Could be many guesses to who that is. So Dundalk were given an allocation of only five to 600 tickets for the cup replay. The corner and the back of the West End was blocked off and they were given four portaloos and the reason for this <sighs> Now to Carl, here's the thing, right? Honestly, what the fuck? I mean you so you're at a game, right? You have a few points, nice hooper special, a bit of singing and chanting, and then a nice big shy in the away section. As you do. Not in the toilet. Like who who does that? Who takes a shit in public where they can see you like so who who does that? I mean, my dog doesn't shit in the house. Your cat shits in a tray. And don't talk fans. Well, they just drop the trail and they squat on the spot. I mean, it's 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 crazy. Think about it's it. It's vile is what it is. I mean, we actually have audio evidence of this incident. So, uh, Carl, roll it out there. Do you think it's something to do with the way we speak? What are you talking about? There's nothing wrong with the way we speak. No, but come here, hey. Sometimes I wonder, why do we speak this way? That's all I'm saying. I love the way we speak. It makes it sound shocking interesting and all together. I'm going for a shade. Are you coming? I might as well. So Dundalk fans, you make me sick. Yeah, now moving on. Um, we won 2-0 in Drogheda on Saturday. So no Pico or Trevor Clark in the squad. Uh, Trevor withdrew from the Ireland under-21s because of injury. And that was the official reason anyway. A rare league starts for Duna and Carpenter at United Park. So, Carl, uh, there was a bit of deja vu here, wasn't there? Yeah, there was a collision on the M50 before the game. If you remember, that happened last time as well in April on the way to. to <laughs> I think we passed the players at one stage. Yeah, we were yeah. just like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, in this case, the match wasn't delayed or anything. And uh, this was the last away bus of the season. Because don't be one to Bray, obviously. And. Yes. Uh, so Carl, you made the trip down for this one. I didn't get to go. So Carl's going to cover this one. Yeah, it's about 25 in the bus. As uh, Paul O'Connor pointed out, it was a Wrexham Ridge. So it's actually a Bowes bus. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And it was, to be honest, it was a nice bus. It was it was lovely. Oh, yeah. Is this, yeah. Uh, was who was the driver? Was it Mario or was it Alex? Alex was back. So no Bosnians this time. No Bosnians this time. And uh, the cold was well and truly back. Oh, yeah. It was freezing. Oh, lovely. Get that cup of bottle into you. Absolutely Baltic it was. And uh, 
Not a huge crowd from us, as you would expect. Uh, 3 p.m. kickoff maybe didn't suit a lot of people. You'll remember it was moved back from 5. Yeah. But but the home crowd, I mean, a little over 100 in their main stand. There was actually more police than there were home fans. I could actually shed a bit of light on this because uh, good old Kenny B was back from Glasgow. And he had a Drada fan with him. And he was shedding some light on what's going on with Drada at the moment. And apparently it's the board who banned... I think they're I think what are they, the Ultras 45. He, I think they banned one, maybe three or four of the top lads from the supporters groups. And pretty much everybody just went with them and said, yeah, they're not going to go. We're going to boycott the games. And there's been major standoffs between the fans and the board. So That I mean, does explain it right because it looked incredibly small and crowded. It's a serious situation they have there. I mean, that, that club could fold if... If they don't resolve this issue, I mean, it's it's a big one as well. So uh, they definitely said that there's been there's been standoffs there. So that's a little bit on drugs situation at the moment. Yeah, United Park, as we know, a very tight pitch. Like, have you noticed how close the corner flag is to the dugout? There's probably no other ground where it's that close. Yeah, it's really good. Daily Mount is probably close enough, but uh, Gavin Brennan was sitting very near me. Yeah, I saw that with his kid. I was asking for suggestions to things to show them, such as uh, the kids are doing okay now, aren't they? Gavin? <laughs> uh, first half was very, very forgettable. Mm. Just a lot of long shots. I think we had one shot on target. Uh, Pepper in the goal, were we? Grace had two ridiculous shots over the bar. Remember our old friend Alan Murphy? We certainly do. I, uh, I've been to many away game with him. And uh, went to United Park with him a few times. And no matter what ground we were in, we'd always bet on how many balls would be lost in grounds like that. You know, where like the low walls. Ancient car being so, the big one. Although United Park has that net behind, yeah. behind the goal. But uh, three are lost in the first half. <laughs> and I, I would always bet, Alan, that there would be more than over 2.5 balls. And he'd always win, because for some reason it would always be only two balls. And there, I remember, there was drinks at stake here as well, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. I remember explaining this to uh, to a girl on the way on the way home from Jada one time. This was maybe four years ago and she couldn't accept that you could have half a ball <laughs> oh my god we were like no it's 2.5 balls just like for betting purposes he's like no you can't have half a ball <laughs> yeah. this went on for a long time like oh my god yeah so uh the goals early in the second half uh great one too between melee and Finn. yeah some from some very unselfish play yeah melee could have tried to round the keeper himself but he just handed to finn on the plate Nice little tap in. And then once again, I think they teamed up for the second as well, didn't they? I thought it was Finn. Apparently he was doing it. With the one great two. bit of play though yeah. again, once again. Just walk the ball in. Great yeah. finish from Brando. So the two of them on the score sheet, that put them both on 38 goals. Wow. Overtaking Billy Denny. Overtaking Billy. Yeah. So Billy has uh, taken a step down in the history books. Yeah, before the game, rusty old Pete Mann, he said, yeah. <laughs> he said he wanted to do the double over Rovers. Oh yeah, the the home double. Yeah, that's all they could take from it, really, wasn't it? And as as Pat Camarin pointed out, their right back looks like he should be playing Baron for Planksy. <laughs> he was he was proud of that one. Uh, Sean Boyd made his return. Sean Boyd, yeah, and yeah. you know what? That the poor guy just can't buy a goal. He had a good shot on target, and it was a good save from from the keeper. He just can't seem to to get any luck. Our version of Shane Long. The quicker the season ends, the better for him because you know what? I think he might start the season well next season. You know, if he does get a chance, but Jesus, second second season syndrome really hit him hard. He didn't do too bad when he came on, but 
the way his season's gone, you didn't expect him to put away any no, chances. He's still got a lot of potential. I mean, let's remember the guy that, that scored all the goals last season. So we do know he has got talent there, you know. Uh, one last point Mikey came on as well, and it was a really frustrating incident where he just seemed to get tangled up with a draw the player, and the ref treated it as some sort of kick. And we were looking at this thinking, like, okay, obviously that was just a tangle. But this ref would probably send them off now. And the the draw the player was rolling around as if he died. And uh, he got yellow, but it was a ridiculous decision. And sure enough, the newspaper report said, oh, he could have seen red there. That was just a tangle, yeah. Yeah. So we'll move on. So 2-0 in away to draw it. And uh, relegated draw it. So we have other results on the night. Saw Bray and Galway draw three all at Carlow Grounds. But Ronan Murray miss a penalty in injury time. Oh, if they I couldn't got, believe that if they got those two points they'd have overtaken Pats the one man you want on the spot kicks and he oh. he had scored one earlier in the game at Penno and do you know what that'll keep them up that'll keep, that'll keep Pats up and drop Galway now that penalty those two points it's Galway versus Pats now on uh, Friday which is going to be a cracker let's be honest it'll be a great That'll game. Be some game it's a major major game for both teams and then we had Limerick they scored a late equaliser, they get a 2-2 draw at St. Pat's and I was laughing at that as well, man. That was like the 95th minute. It was minute. 95th it was minute. A, it was a good finish. Shane yeah. Duggan. Yeah, top corner. And then we had Sligo beating Bowles 1-0. Dundalk won 2-0 at Harps, so the title still is not decided. I mean, they Cork are doing their best to throw this away, aren't they? Yeah, I saw a Dundalk fan, just the latest from their tweets, he said, them Harps bastards are worse than Scumrock Rovers. <laughs> your latest oh, uh, the dark tweets yeah that was a big win for Sligo but they're playing us next so if they don't get anything from us and say Pats do get the win over Galway I mean that could be them on the way so much going on isn't there although Galway's goal difference interestingly is five better than Pats so that could come in handy yeah it could I mean like, well, like I said there's so much going on anyone can go down still so We'll move on now. We'll talk about the 19s. They are away to Waterford on Saturday at 1 pm in the Shield quarter final. It's a tough draw. If they win, they'll face Dundalk or Hamtili away in the semis. And then the 17s, they play Bowes in the quarter finals of the playoffs this coming Sunday, 2 pm at Tallis. So get on down to that. You have to go to that, don't we? Yeah, I think so. I think we'll have to make an appearance. Uh, two tough games for our young starlets. Uh, Carl, there was an absolutely fantastic article a few days back in the Sun, believe it or not. It was praising our Roadstone project kind of sounds like a government conspiracy doesn't it the roadstone project oh yeah was this about uh, don't mention the roadstone project was this about players doing their education at yeah, the same time yeah fantastic stuff now yeah. they um, they might have nipped it from someone else but um Gavin Bazoon I think was one of them was he yeah um they talked about the 15s training at 6am finishing at half 7 getting fed and then ushered off to school and they said that's not the case with Gavin Bazuna, Bulger and Dylan they go to Ashfield College and don't after training where they have classes tailored to suit them now they train with the force teams every morning so they have classes to tailor them tailored to suit them at a cost of nearly 6,900 a term so that's amazing stuff so three players that were putting into school straight after training with the force team and great to see Gavin Bazuna training every day with the force team yeah. as well so I don't think any DDSL clubs do this. I mean, when you think about it, they're kind of happy taking the few quid that they get off these English clubs and they ship these kids off like livestock and they don't really do anything for them when they return a year or two later with no leave and cert and nothing to, to nothing in their pockets, you know? So Think of the bond these lads are going to form at Roberts. You know, like the usual merry-go-round you see in League of Ireland. 
you expect players to jump to Dundalk or Cork from season to season. Yeah. These lads are going to be attached to Rovers when they're in their 20s. They're not just going to jump willy-nilly to another club. No way. I mean, if you think about it, they're going to they're going to feel something for Rovers because we've done so much for them and it'll take a lot for them to leave and go to somebody else you know and there won't be that many better offers around let's let's be honest next 10 years huge huge yeah. for Rovers but uh, yeah so that was the the article about our uh, Roadstone project but um, we've terrible news about Paul Curry which we just found out as uh, just before we were recording, recording he's retiring at the tender age of 26 after a litany of horrific injuries he has spoke about trying to sprint and training and feeling his knee going again and upsetting him getting very upset and it has gotten to the stage where he has to think about his future and it's a very smart guy I mean he was talking about potentially having a limp for life if he keeps playing so I mean I was excited to see this guy sign so it was a lot of people talented midfielder the past master as we were coining him I mean the couple of games that he did play like Longford in the League Cup he looked class yeah like I said the past master and a career cut short by injury at the tender age of 26 so we definitely wish Paul all the best in the future and hopefully he sticks around in a coaching role so it's uh, it's very sad to see and it's a tough decision to make at such a young age so our, uh, our thoughts go to Paul so the 15s, they beat Kevin's 1-0 away on Sunday thanks to a Shane, Neil and Heather. And uh, next up for them is Bray on Saturday, 3pm kickoff at Roadstone. And their goalkeeper, Moore, he had Henchinski written on the back of his jersey. I saw that. Yeah, I wonder what yeah. that was about. So tense game by all accounts. The rivalry there is uh, starting to build. So like we were talking about uh, a couple of minutes ago, I'd say give it a good 10 years, Carol, right now. I know it's a long time. Rome wasn't built in a day, but we will be the dominant club at every level. Now, people might say I'm biased. People might say I'm I'm uh, looking at this through green tinted glasses. But um, with the structures we have in place now, nobody will be able to touch us. With the football building coming in, with sending kids to school, winning over their parents, every kid in Dublin, Kildare, surrounding areas, they're all going to want to play for Rovers. Because they're going to see the likes of doing it. They're going to see... Trevor Clark going to see Boulder all breaking into the force team and playing regularly and they're going to say this is what I want this is professional football and they're going to put me through school definitely and let's be honest there's a potential to go away to England as well they're going to be all over even that scoreline we just read out St. Kevin's nil Rawers won a yeah. shift in power there there we go I know it's only one game but a 1-0 away win I'd, I'd say it was sweet but um, yeah so that's um that's us finished up on the Roadstone Project. Are you looking for some sort of sound effect there, is it? <laughs> yeah, I think we'll have to put something yeah. in, won't we? Like a dun-dun-dun. You're clearly angling for some sort of sound effect there. <laughs> so we'll move on to other news now. We have Hardy Kenny announced that he'll be stepping down as manager of Bray at the end of the season. So rumours of him coming to the hoops. A popular fullback in his time with the Rovers during the 80s. So He said um, he's going to focus on his FBI job. Oh, he's got a Kondok and Foss course, hasn't he? That's what he does. Um coaches young lads who are doing fast course preparing to be footballers that's what that is and uh, I mean that's I'm not sure if it's a step down or what but I think he just wants to get away from the toxic atmosphere that is Bray Wanderers um, I'd like to see him involved at some some capacity maybe so the mighty Shelbourne won the Lensa Senior Cup congratulations to them I heard the Lensa Senior Cup was kidnapped Carl or cupnapped a few days ago, held a ransom. Uh, the cup napper demanded a slab of Bavaria, pouch of amber leaf and a 50 bag. So we are still negotiating with him. <laughs> couldn't possibly comment on the matter. No, couldn't possibly. We will keep you updated on its whereabouts. 
but I think it's somewhere in North Dublin. <laughs> so, uh, Soccer Republic, we'll move on now to... Uh, yeah, Soccer Republic was on Sunday night instead this week. I found out like an hour before, thanks to Forky. <laughs> and, um, yeah, the cameras were actually refused entry. Now, I don't know anything about this, Carl. You'll have to enlighten me. I they don't were, either. I just, they just said they, they were refused entry. entry into Bray for that game. Now, that is... What was the reason for that? I mean, surely Bray broke some sort of contract or agreement by doing that as well. Like, how, how would they say so. no to cameras? Very North korea They must have been on the take. They're like, listen, lads, we really need a few quid here. I'll throw this game just shut the doors don't let the cameras in one of our track champ on them yeah that, well I think they have them installed in the grounds I think that's what it is they're like permanent fixtures those cameras as far yeah. as I know I can be corrected on that I have to bring up the one and only Dave Barry Dave Again, Barry and his sweaty chips I've my patience is worn out with this man was he commenting on Rovers again yes he was and he was commenting on the experience oh God. What does what the fuck does this guy think he's on about? I I've mean, said this early in the season where he, he keeps going on about it though. He's shown a two minute highlight package of a Rovers game. Then they throw it to him and they say, Dave, what do you think about that? He'll make one or two nonsensical statements. Then he'll start talking about young lads and then he'll go back to Pierre Cons. He's done this five times a season. Absolute right? nonsense. He said it again, he said Bradley has stopped playing the young lads. Who is he talking about? <laughs> we want names, Dave. When pinpoint the date this happened, right? Mikey O'Connor, three league starts. Sean Boyd, two. Aaron Bolger, one. Dean Dillon, one. Vaughn, five. When did we start and stop playing them? They have never been regularly in the team. What What is going on here with this guy? I think he's too... You know what? He needs to stop serving chips. Stop <laughs> serving the chips and watch the games. <laughs> Seriously, what? It's just. Do you know what? My dad is. It reminds me of my dad because remember that time we were come, we come back from. Uh, I think I was telling you about the Lancer Senior Cup, the Lancer Senior League final game of the season, and we were watching Bluebell and Crumlin, and I came home and he goes, "How did it go?" I said, "Ah, Crumlin, uh, they were beaten two one, and the man sent off early on." And he goes, oh, "Crumlin are usually well disciplined." <laughs> and it was the most random statement and he's he's done it before as well with, do you remember he predicted a game Man United in West Ham and he goes oh United drew at them in 95 like you said they beat them <laughs> they, be, yeah, they beat draw. them in 95 I think they'll do it on Saturday like a game from 20 years ago so he's just, uh, he, he has to make a guest appearance yeah, at the end of the Johnny season. Blue is the probably most quotable man actually if you listen back to the Ray Wilson episode I left in a little clip of your dad at the very end, at the end it? of that show, in case people missed it. Yeah, he's looking for he's looking for some plugs, wasn't yeah, he? It's after the music. Um, yeah, so that was a uh, it was crazy stuff. So, uh, what else have we got? Uh, yeah, Dave Barry, that's that's him out of the way. We have Ireland's win over Wales on Monday. I'm gonna have to eat my words here, gents. I said we draw on Wales. Um, no, I never doubted for a second. I, I did I, I, I certainly no, did no I'm joking sitting there all smug Riley fake smugness no I'm joking of course I doubt them <laughs> never, never thought they'd <laughs> let's be honest it was some goal I mean oh. Hendrick put in Trojan work out wide Gary Shaw-esque lovely dummy super finished by that poppy pummeler James McLean and it's, it's hard um, not to love James McLean he's, abs- he's, he's a hero he's a, he's a cult hero proper he really hero is. he is what a lad and, and a lovely guy as well yeah. um I mean, let, let's be honest as well. 
let, let's let's get down off our pedestal. Dundalk and Rovers play a better brand of football than Ireland. Let's be honest. That they play the passing game. They like to play football, and it, it's it's horrible stuff. Eighty percent of the time. I mean, it's Ireland play horrible stuff. Eighty percent of the time. Let's 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 be truthful. And like potential pot- opponents. I know it's all everything is all happy now at the moment. But potential opponents are Denmark, Croatia, Italy, and the Swiss. I think if yeah. we get Croatia or Italy. No chance. Maybe, no chance. Croatia in particular, Modric, Rakitic, Mandzukic, no. that they will shred Ireland. Let's be honest. In football, in terms, I mean, we can't we can't look at it through uh, like the, these rose tinted glasses that we tend to do with, with with Rovers in particular. Sometimes we do, and then we take a step back and think, okay, <laughs> let's be honest about it. But mm. they, they are a, a horrible team to watch. That's 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 the end of it, really. Apparently Noel King is playing a bit of ball for the under twenty ones. Noel King, as in he has them playing ball. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a, a couple of lads I've met were watching the twenty ones <coughs> tonight, and they were very critical of his man management and game mm-hmm. management in particular. They thought he was a uh, he made his four sub in the eighty eight minute, and he said they were it was quite poor. So well, there was a nil nil bar in the first game, but yeah. then they beat uh, who was it? Israel. Yeah, in the second game four nil. I think there was a hat trick there, wasn't there? But going back Greg to O'Cox, the Greg O'Cox Hattrick. Going back to the Moldova game with Ireland, uh, good to see Sean Maguire make his debut. Yeah, it was great to see him get a cap and so so soon after his move from the League of Ireland. Now don't get me wrong, I sound like a naysayer here and I sound like I'm slating Ireland. But I, I do like to call it how it is, and but they don't play nice football. I do want to see them qualify. I don't hate Ireland. I do want to see them qualify, let's clear that up, but I like to call a spade a spade and we, they do play horrendous football. And we both have mixed feelings in Ireland because there's such a disconnect between the league and the national team. It's very hard not to be resentful now and then. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's natural to us at times. But the FAI seem to be getting their finger out when it comes to the league. Not not the finger out. That's that's an overstatement at a max. But they, they I think they do want to do something with the league in regard funding and things like that. I mean, we, we receive funding and... Um, I think we'll have to uh, keep an eye on it for the future. And just to mention there, uh, Ronnie Whedon, when Sean McGuire came on, the most absolute rubbish I've ever heard. Ronnie uh, Whedon, who probably doesn't watch the league. He said that the crowd knew who he was because they loved their League of Ireland players. Have you ever heard such crap? Ronnie Whedon said that. Yeah. List of hatred. <laughs> <laughs> We've already got like three Dundalk players to go on that thing. No oh, room left. Oh man, how ill-informed is this guy I think 75% of that crowd just heard that he was like a new prospect at Preston oh man please just go to a game like that game against Dundalk the other night was stunning stunning game of football I don't care what anyone says I I, I, I was going to talk about later on but my god what an advertisement for the league a uh, incredible. ding dong of a cup semi Proper cup game. Proper cup game. We're, we're going to move on to it now, actually, because we spoke about Ireland. But uh, the build-up to the FAI Cup semi-final replay, Anthony Kyo posted, Roll on tonight. Have the tails of the East End tunes on Spotify playing all day. Although it's not helping the nerves. Come on the hoops. Quite an eclectic mix, I must say, Carl. Some cracking tunes on there. It actually is a really good playlist. Yeah. I'd be curious if people like actually listen to the players in full because there's some there's some odd ones in there that we chose there is a couple of strange ones purely yeah. on the teams we're playing and the mood yeah. that we were in and things like that but if you listen to that and if you do want to skip a couple obviously yeah. you can but there's some really really good listening there and you can sing mm. along to the Rovers chants that 
we do incorporate into the terraces so and you can almost hear through the music our progress throughout the season because like tells a story isn't it because there's like I'm going slightly mad by Queen that <laughs> yeah. was after Bray and then there's move on up that's in May after yeah. Bray so you can sort of it does it tells a story but uh, on match day on Facebook have you ever noticed there's all these strange people who post and then you never see them again like Muhammad, whoever that is. Yeah, he was just saying, hello, Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, he goes, Shamrock Rovers FC must take Sam Bone in lineup first 11. <laughs> what? Like, what? <laughs> Who is this guy? I don't know. He's probably betting in Asia or something. Yeah, yeah, he's, he put Sam Bone on. I, I really like him. And uh, So random. And Wayne Scales had a good story. He said that. Definitely. His real uh, name. <laughs> hello, Wayne Scales. He said... <laughs> He said as Nicky Byrne was heading into the East End, that's Nicky Byrne from Westlife, Right. he said that a fan passed him and he said to Wayne, bollocks, Simon Madden mustn't be playing tonight. Yeah, Donald, well, Simon, Simon's a Westlife fan, I think he'd be happy enough with that. He likes to belt out of the old chance. Uh, but yeah, no, everyone came out on Tuesday, Carl, it seemed like... Uh, I mean, there was, a, there was a lot of young players there. 250, I think. They're coaches from the academy. I mean, they provided a guard of honour. All of them were in the rowers gear. So I looked up top left and I could see like a flashing light. Did you see that? The flashing light up yeah. the top of the stand. I was like, what's going on there? And then it was just a sea of green. You could hear them singing. You saw all these bouncing green people yeah, in the car. Yeah, bouncing green people. <laughs> and um, it was fantastic. So I really appreciate it. I'd love to get them out in every game. You know, but it is a lot to ask. They train and it's hard to get them out. Parents have things to do, you know. Coaches have things to do. But uh, no, it was great to see them out. And uh, we also caught up with uh, manager Aidan Price and Richie English just before the game. And we talked about how their league season went and life at Rovers in general. So here's Aidan and Richie. Okay, we're here with Aidan Price, the Rovers under-19s manager and the only man to win a Premier Division medal and a First Division medal with Shamrock Rovers. And Richie English, one of Aidan's best players in the 19s this season. So Aidan, we narrowly missed out on the top four of our section this season. So how would you f- reflect on the league overall? Uh, it's, been, it's been quite disappointing really. Um, there's probably been inconsistency the whole way through. Uh, we've, we've dropped points when we thought um, we, we could have at least got a draw and then we, we've drawn games where we felt we should have won. Like, you know? So we know, that, we know the bigger picture is getting players in, into the force team but when you're involved in football and when you're playing games like, you, know, you, you want to win every game you go out to play. Like, and, um, but in terms of effort and work rate and stuff like that, like the lads ha- have left an awful lot out there. Uh, it's been probably quite difficult on them as well in terms of the inconsistency of uh, teams we've probably been able to put out week in, week out. Like, but um, in terms of the quality we've, we've got out on the pitch and in terms of um, what the players have gained going forward, I, I think that's that, that's the bigger reflection of what we're looking to do. Like, you know, um, I think we've had some like eight players involved in the first team out of a squad of 20 um, if not more uh, we have three or four that train with the force team day in day out like so um, they're, they're all the things that we're, we're trying to do and, and sometimes uh, sometimes results probably doesn't reflect how well the boys are actually doing um, and how, how quickly they are progressing to miss out the way we did on the playoff place on goal difference mm. because of an administrative error by Bray Wander does that make it even harder to take? Uh, yeah, it does. It definitely does. Like you know, um, not knowing uh, we were going to Cork um, um, and, to, and to lose three one um, was very disappointing. Like, but the, probably the one that stands out was uh, two weeks before 
we were one nil up uh, in the ninety second or ninety third minute here against U C D and we we ended up drawing one all like you know so there's loads of there's loads of things you can reflect on it's never just on the one game right at the end or an administrative error by by uh, Bray Wanders um, you know like but you know it, it's in our own hand and we're we're culpable for our own results and our own performances and stuff like that like so as you say it's extremely difficult and extremely hard to take but. Um, we, we we look back on the Cork game especially like you know and we were three 0 down after 25 minutes without actually playing that badly like you know like we we had good spells within the game but we we gave up individual errors which which cost us and it's probably been uh, just probably been a fair bit of that throughout the year like you know so um, but as I say there's points lost in an awful lot of uh, other areas um, but. We, the boys picked themselves up and, and they've set themselves a new target and and uh, and that's to be the best of the rest you know? Richie, same question to you um, Yeah, I just suppose too much goals we can see there were collective and individual errors like and I don't think there's been much between like us and Cork or whoever won the division or anything but other than us conceding super goals and super times like as uh, Pricey said there 1-0 up UCD can see the last kick of the game just, it'll just put us out really in the end and fair, I know Bray did make the error but it shouldn't have even came to that it should have, we should have got through ourselves without any questions asked of us and yeah and you really filled your form especially in the middle of the season what were the high points for you and the team um, I suppose the high points for the team were that we were playing well although we weren't scoring and we were probably conceding too much goals. We actually played some unbelievable football at times, and then for myself, it was just, I suppose, I don't know, as long as the team were doing well, I was happy, but uh, yeah. And Aiden, uh, it's been a headache for you when a lot of players are on fourth team duty, and you're never really sure who's going to be available. Mm. Yeah, but that's that's the that's the aim, like, you know, um, we're here to, to provide and to help and to gain uh, force or lads to gain ex- experience as quickly as they possibly can if they're deserving of it you know and, and right now we have a lot of lads who, ha- who have deserved it and uh, have needed it like you know and then you'd have lo- the guys that might be involved on a Friday evening that would come play on a Saturday and stuff like that but that's that's the same for most teams across the country like you know and um, I think the most pleasing thing is that it, it's the boys that we've got coming the other way that ha- have, have affected the force team like you know like your Richies and Kane Collins and Aaron Bulgers and stuff like that, like you know, that are, are, and Dean Dillon's they're they're the ones that um, that make it worthwhile for the rest of the boys as well, like you know. So it's never just one way, but as as Richie said himself, like you know, it, team performances have been really good, and Richie's own performances have re- been really good, like you know, like so they're they're the, they're the real plus points for us. And your season not over just yet. You've got a Shield game away to Waterford on Saturday. Mm. Yeah, that's difficult. That we we've. Uh, we haven't got the greatest results against Waterford, like, you know. We drew nil all down there, got beaten uh, here by the, uh, in Rollstone three one by them, like you know. Like so, we know it's going to be difficult, um, but in terms of attitude and desire and preparing properly, we'll do everything we can to win the game. And uh, Aaron Dobbs impressed unknown and Wexford by all reports. Uh, will you have him back for the Shield? No, no, I don't, I don't think uh, I don't think he comes back into it now, like you know. Um, we haven't uh, Aaron's had a long season as it is, like you know, like so. Uh, it wouldn't be much benefit to Aaron or or, or Reed at this stage for for Aaron to have to come back in and uh, Aaron Aaron needs his rest and stuff like that, which is this is important as anything else. Like so, uh, no, we won't we won't have Aaron available.
Uh, Richie, the likes of Dobsey, Duna, Dylan, and Boyd, have they shown you that there's a realistic path to the first team? Yeah, 100%. Just have to look at Mikey, even when he scored the goal against Bowes. That just seeing him straight away after he scored that what it means to him. That if anyone, like, you give Dino a chance that he'll put it away, you give Duna a chance that I've seen him put it away a couple of times. So, just chance there, you have to take it. And I think them boys have taken it very well, and it shows that everyone else can follow in their footsteps and take the same path. Yeah, with everything that's happening uh, with the academy and Roadstone at the moment, it's exciting times at the club, isn't it? Uh, it's very exciting. You just have to walk up to Roadstone and just have a look around the place to see teams training every day of the week. Every time you're up there, there's something happening with Rovers, jerseys around, the Rovers tops around, so it's very exciting for the club, yeah. I think that's missing is uh, the dressing rooms, though. We're still using the Clondalk and Rugby Football Club. Yeah, as well as as well as these things take time. Yeah, that's gonna, there's going to be part of a cabins coming in and stuff like that. Like so, um, as you say, like it has to happen in stages. Like, but the players are are seeing the the realistic targets that are there for them. Like, you know, and they know that first team manager Steve Bradley will play them if they're good enough and if their attitude is right enough and they're coming into training there every day. He has no hesitation in uh, in putting a lad in whatever age he is or or without any doubt in his mind to think that and no matter how big a game like you look at Bulger has played in some of the biggest games this year already for us like you know like so uh, he, he doesn't he doesn't mind what age they are he just knows if their head's right and they're good enough he'll play them like you know uh, you both kind of graduated at the same time from the 17th to the 19th as player and manager uh, you took over from Mark Kenny Aidan how do you find the transition into management yeah it's been really good like you know it's uh, uh was it something that I thought would happen? I probably wasn't too sure, like you know. But from terms of coming into the seven names in the first place, uh, when the offer came to me and I spoke to the club, uh, it was straightforward for me to stop playing straight away. Like you know, I knew uh, I wanted to be part of what was going to go, what was going to happen here, and I knew it was going to be quickly. Like you know, like so I wanted to be on part of it. I wanted to be in on it, and I wanted to have an effect um, to uh, to allow these boys to appreciate the special moments I had as a player here. Like you know, like so. If I can help in any way at all, or give back to any way at all, um, this would be this is the place that I want to learn uh, as a coach, as a manager, um, and I, I can't think of anywhere any better place to do that. And as players moving up levels, something that you sit down with Stephen Rice, the Seventeens manager, um, is it something you sit down and plan? I mean, because of injury, the players all are in the case of special talent like Gavin Bazuna, uh, he might be just ready to step into the first team. Well, like <coughs> Gavin, Gavin's 15 years of age. He's played, he's played uh, six, seven games for us already this year for the under 19s. Like you know, um, he trains a couple of mornings a week with the force team. Um, so as that's that's he, he's a perfect example of somebody that if you're good enough, you, he'll be involved. Like you know, and, um, we just have to make sure that you know there's a pathway for Gavin, and that's what we're trying to do to make sure there is a pathway for Gavin. And but Gavin, there's plenty of time. There's no rush. You know. Uh, He's one that's that's only going to get better and improve, um, uh, and I've seen that. And the players, uh, and the, like sometimes you can have 15, 16 year old, you can throw them in with the under 19s, and they can think, well, what, why are you playing them? But they have no hesitation when they know Gavs and goal. Like you know, when you name the team and Gavs and goal, it's not a doubt in anybody's mind that there's going to be any problems. Like you know, so he's a he's a calm, he's a calm person. Doesn't nothing seems to phase him. Um, and as I say, of, of all the games he's played for us. Uh, he's only excelled. He's never cost us in, in any single game. And Richie, I'm sure you were watching Ireland's famous win in Wales yesterday. It was only a few months ago that you were playing against Robbie Brady, Jeff Hendrick, and Stephen Moore for Burnley. What was that like as an experience as a footballer? Yeah, that was an unbelievable experience. Just 
just kind of had to stand back and look at times just to see that you're playing against them. But that's kind of where I aspire to be myself. So you made your senior debut against Thomastown. You also played against Celtic and Longford. And I mean, those experiences does it make you want to improve as a player? Yeah, without a doubt. Once you play with the first team, it just makes you want to play every every week with them. So something I'll do my best to do on the off season. I'll make sure I come in ready to go again. And do you, do you feel that you've come on a lot as a player this season and are you eyeing a breakthrough into the fourth team next year? Well, I suppose this year was probably as good a year as I've had here. I think probably I just got a lot calmer on the pitch and my performances, not as in calmer, but kind of more disciplined in my performances and kind of realise now where my position is and how I want to play and how the manager Price wants me to play or Stephen Bradley, how he wants me to play. So. Aidan, you were one of four players that Pat Scully took from Kilkenny back in 2006 and he had to assemble a brand new team after relegation. What are your memories from that season? Um, that was probably the best season, of, uh, one of my best seasons I remember as, as playing football. Like you know, We probably had more success years after under Michael O'Neill and stuff like that, Like, but for a group of lads that were 21, 22, 23 to be assembled and be put, put together, um, with the expectancy of a whole of Shamrock Rovers to get them promoted again, like you know, the support we got uh, as a group, um, how the season went for me, uh, I have to say some of the some of the best memories I have, like you know, I've spoken of it before, and you know, going to Cove, uh, needing a point in the last day of the season, and it's so dramatic, Toy Porson score for us after, after we'd gone one 0 down, and Barry Murphy would save the penalty for us to keep us in the game. And, uh, just uh, some of the best memories I have is that year. Like you know, I think Andy Moyler, we go to Limerick, Andy scoring twice, um, on the same night that Monaghan beat Dundalk, and we knew, you know, like there just it was a really special year for us. Like you know, remember us lawn in the cup? Yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah. Remember, remember strongly, yeah. Like you know, it was a, it was a strange week for us. Like you know, with, with everything that leading up to it, Pat Scully was suspended that day. I remember and. Uh, Robbie Clark scoring right to death, and uh, I remember Mark Dempsey, the assistant manager, coming in after the game, telling us we we were brilliant, well done, and stuff. And then we got a back. Screamer from Robbie Clark. Robbie it? screamer, yeah, <laughs> caller in, yeah. And uh, I remember Mark Dempsey telling us when back in the dressing room, well done, delighted. And then we got back onto the bus, and Pat Scully got onto the bus and tore us apart, said so we weren't good enough, like you know. And, but that's 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 what kind of a group we were. Like there was a real honesty within the group, and. The demands on the group were were phenomenal, like you know, and the, the demands the players put on each other were phenomenal, like you know. But all we wanted to do was win, and uh, we, at times, uh, and, and I, I looked at it a little bit watching Orden last night, and they're saying like they, there was a real togetherness there last night, and, and they were going to do anything to win that game last night, like you know. And it brought back kind of nights that we had with that group uh, in 2006, and they speak of the night in Athlone, I think of Cove, and I think of all them kind of nights where going to Galway and winning and stuff like that where not many teams would have done that back then like you know it was a really special year it was a, it was a really great time and uh, Ireland in the playoffs but of course Northern Ireland there as well yeah. and you're probably not that surprised by uh, Mike O'Neill and how well he's done with Northern Ireland you won a league title under him in 2010 yeah, yeah. He, ha- he had a phenomenal way about him like you know and he wasn't a coach like he was a manager like you know and th- there was a, he, 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 he didn't let it be known that he was anything other than the manager like you know and um, he had a he had a, he had a simplicity to how he wanted things done, and I was only reading an interview today from Johnny Evans in the paper. Like you know, he was talking about the he was talking about Michael O'Neill, and I I could see 
he, he was doing the same things with us five, six, seven years ago. You know, like he, he knew his game plan, he knew the weaknesses and the strengths of the opposition, and uh, he kept our game simple and he, he didn't complicate our game. And we knew what we knew what we were about. We were about a team that if we kept clean sheets and we create chances for Gary Twig, we'd win games. Like, and that's what that's what we had. Like, you know, and we made no excuses for it. Um, there was probably at a time when everyone was kind of transitioned into 4-3-3 and so that we stayed 4-4-2 we experimented with that times and it wasn't really for us but with Desi Baker and Gary Twig up top like and uh, more times than not if we could keep clean sheets they'd win games for us That's the FAI Cup semi-final tonight against the Dark Richie you just come out of the, the team dressing room uh, what's the mood like in there? Uh, confidence more than anything but uh, like Fraser was saying about last night as well togetherness and just do anything to win the game and same again tonight in the dressing room just everyone's together on it and there's not one person in there that isn't going to be like a fan out there if they're not playing or if they're on the pitch it's just going to be madness so hopefully I reckon they'll get the win and get the win tonight and win the cup for the first time in 30 years yeah I'll be confident coming out of that dressing room anyway so that's unbelievable down there so what's your feelings Ed? yeah like driving in there tonight like it feels like uh when we were in the sem- we got to the semi final replay in 2010, like and we had to go to St. Pat's for the replay, like you know. And I was driving in there tonight, and I was just thinking that that's the exact same feeling I'm getting from it, uh, from that night when we we had to go to have the draw in here two all. I think Paddy Cavan scored an own goal in the last last minute to make it two all and stuff like that, and we had to go to Pat's to win, and but we went there and won, and but little bits of luck we needed, like we got looked that night. Damien Lynch got sent off for St. Pat's and. We scored some really good goals, Billy Dennehy, Chris Turner, and stuff like that. Like so, but it, I think I, I have the same sense and the same kind of feeling about this evening coming in with the atmosphere building nice and early. The crowd are going to get behind the team, and as Richie has said, there the togetherness within that group is phenomenal. Like you know, like the lads that come and play with us, okay, they're disappointed they're not playing for the fourth team, but they have a desire to play for the fourth team, and, uh, and that togetherness is shown uh, throughout the club. Like you know. And, the whole club from the academy right to the fourth team are here tonight and to show the support which you do on a on a regular basis like you know so the club are right behind them and they know we're going in the right direction no matter what the result is tonight but to finish the season off with a, with a cup final will be really special in Europe for next year so that was Aidan Richie and uh, yeah Aidan just talking about the, the old times and some great memories there yeah he played in the last final of course yeah 2010 which is Still our last final, sadly. Yep. But uh, you'd forget how tall he is. He, do you know, I think he's lost a bit of weight or t- t- toned up or something like that because yeah. he used to have like a, a a little bit more bulkiness to him now. He's uh, he's looking well. Wikipedia has him at 6'4", but I say get the measuring table. Yeah. He could be taller. He I really had to hold that microphone up to him. He's a big lad, isn't he? Yeah. And we've uh, we've upgraded from the creepy stairwell gear. We're now in the weird washroom. <laughs> Weird. That's what it is. Aiden didn't know what was going on. He just looked around and said, I didn't know this was here. And then we just pounced. Yeah. So the, the weird washroom and the creepy stairwell. Yeah, good. I think, I think uh, John came up to us. Uh, John Connolly, I think, came up to me and he goes, Don't be taking them into that creepy stairwell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sure he said that. Good. Uh, uh, great to hear from Richie as well. Uh, great prospect. Yeah, no, and you know, a lovely, lovely young guy, really yeah. buying into what's going on at Rovers, and uh, hopefully, a good prospect for the first team. And and it's great to hear him talk about being converted because he was a number ten, and now he plays in the <coughs> you could say I don't know the number six role, the Keane role, 
and or the Roy Keane role. You could say he's a central defensive midfielder, and he's he's really bought into it. He's he's buying into what they're trying to teach him and convert him as a player, and it's only for his own good. So it's really good to see that tactics are playing a part in it as well. You know, you were asking him how many goals he had. He, he didn't even know. No, remember he had a couple of penalties early yeah, on. Yeah, that's something I definitely yeah. keep. Like I, I think I've scored one goal in my life. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so that was the two lads, and it was a it was a, a cool interview. So with the main stand now, I was really vocal with all these young lads. Um, they were a credit to the club, but uh, so the the game overall four two we lost to Dundalk after extra time at Tala. Brad's have started Pico in midfield and Clark on the right wing. Aaron Bulger wasn't involved. He played for the Ireland under nineteens in Waterford that day, and they topped their group. He was sent off as well. Cunning plan. Yeah, when I heard that, I thought the plan was get a head start on the road to Tala from Waterford, but he got sent off in the 94th minute, so... Oh, I, not oh that and much what score was the game? Do you know what score the game was when they were winning? Or were they winning or were they losing? I think they won 2-1, and they, as you oh, say... it's a silly one, that is. Top the group, but... But uh, we missed McAllister, as we yeah, as we thought that. we would. Yeah, bit and of bite in the middle, wasn't it? And that's twice now in recent weeks we've had a centre-back try to do that Davy Mack role. Yeah, people, pe- people underestimate him. I mean, someone said that you won't win a league with Davy Mack in the team. I I honestly think you, we can't. I think he's Who said a, that? He's a, yeah, there's been a couple of people on, on, the, on the chat saying that. I think he's a vital cog in our team. I, I really, really like Davy Mack. It's a stupid comment. I think he's come on quite a lot, so... I was happy to see McElhaney left out of the squad, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. But who was on the bench, Gar? None other than Chris Shields. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Yeah. And on the 10th day in the replay, he rose again, yeah. according to the scriptures. <laughs> what a doorboard. Can't stand this guy, man. There's so many hay figures on that team. And it's not because of ability. Usually it's okay hating them because of ability. It's all about attitude and just dirt and... We'll move on to them in a while. We've got lightning bolts for these guys. But, um, yeah, they could have been tuning up after five minutes, Carl. Thomas built an yeah. early chance as well. I mean, they. I think the second chance was even more blatant. They kind of ricocheted over the bar. We had to weather that storm. Jesus, we were... Oh, man, we were really nervous in the stands. And then we just went 10 minutes gone, Finn. Superb volley. Cool, calm, and into the back of the net. What a strike. What a strike. Cool as a cucumber. When I first saw it, I thought it was a bit scrappy, but watching the replay, it was super it was very controlled shot. Super strike, and the wind was back in Tala with a vengeance. It dictated the game at times as well, didn't it? It definitely did. We were playing uh, against the wind the first half, and we had it in the second and the first half of extra time. Mm. I think that's when we probably used it. That was maybe our best spell in the whole I game. I think so, yeah. I wish we had scored in that little spell, because... That would have won us the game. Yeah, we rude. But, um, yeah, so it was back with a vengeance. And we have 13 minutes gone. McMillan won all. Now, this has been debated online all week, Carl. You mean whether the wind played well, a part now, in this? Now, I'm on two minds here, but I think I've made my decision right. Where I was standing with you, the wind made that ball travel twice as quick. Now, it didn't change the course or direction of it from where I was. And I mean, that area is once again where we're weakest, Carl. Deep crosses, two against Bluebell, two versus Pats and Tomer. From the right side. From the right side, those deep crosses, early crosses. Tomer got a strong hand to it, but right onto McMillan's head. I think he could have tipped it over the bar just to be safe. But as I said, the wind was really strong, but I don't think it changed the actual direction. It just increased the speed. And I mean, it's hard to call, but ultimately, I think Tomer could have done a lot better with the strong Mm -hmm. hand that he did get to it. He got a really strong hand, but knocked it at a good speed out as well against the win when he did make the rebound. So I think he could have done a lot better. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Tarman in a minute. He, he was at fault for at least three of the goals. I wouldn't necessarily blame him with the fourth. I think, I think it was just a cracking header by O'Donnell. I have a theory on that I'll talk about as well. I think he could be blamed for it. Yeah. Actually, I'll say it now. I mean, when you look at Rodgers, right? This is a point that Anto Matthews, unofficial fact-checker, made. And uh, Rodgers was very deep in his own half in the first half. So he was like a sweeper. Mm. And Tomer was nearly stuck to and rooted to his line for that goal. So Tomer didn't really anticipate that he could, fair enough. He, like, he usually does come off his line, but he could have kind of stepped out a little bit more and anticipate that those balls that are being pumped through are going to take on an extra bit of pace it wasn't Rodgers who hit that though that was just someone else from no, the centre circle yeah yeah but what I was saying that Rodgers was anticipating yeah. all those balls being over hit in the in the half he was against the wind so he was like a sweeper and Tomer didn't really anticipate that yeah true. so that's one one way you could look at it but um, yeah so we'll talk about Tomer in a while because it's a hot topic Tomer yeah, so uh, Shaw, Shaw, once again, seems to be getting better running defenders. That's one thing that he's improved on in the last couple of weeks is running at defenders like a winger and more confident at yeah. turning and really getting at defenders. It's He's really dangerous running at, at, at defenders now. I know I said in the draw of the game especially, he was made, making these really dangerous runs yeah, down the channel. Yeah, he's, he's lethal at the moment. So, I mean, he's officially my player of the year at the moment. I've... Um, I'm, I don't think there's anyone that can knock him off, to be to be honest, in the last couple of games. But we'll talk about Trevor Clark and the one-on-one that he put over the bar, Carl. It was a glaring chance. Oh, it was a big chance. And on his left foot, the one man, not the one man, but I mean, Brando would have fucking buried that, I reckon. But, I mean, a left foot opened, opened himself up nicely and just over the bar. I mean, I fully expect him to bury it. Grace had a free header as well, didn't connect with it properly. So there was definitely chances. I mean, I love the way this team can create chances, Carl. We, we, we're more than likely going to score in most games, you know. So, um, first half ended one all, and we weren't even back in the East End. We were, we were doing our best my post impression behind the fence yeah. for this goal. And uh, they took the lead from a corner, and it was horribly dealt with, Carl. This was the worst goal of the four, in my opinion. It was horrible stuff. He needs to be dominating a six-yard box. His, eight, his, his old box, he needs to dominate that. He needs to make that box his little bitch. And he just didn't. It was it was a scrappy, horrible goal to concede, and it it needs to improve. And like like I said, we'll talk. We'll have a little bit of a chat about Tom and He world, should have been coming and claiming that ball. Yeah, I mean, all day. remember remember one of the reasons we let Baz go? I assume was because we were conceding from corners and set pieces, and he wasn't commanding his area. Yeah, I thought Tomer had been doing that this season for the most part. He was winning me over, and then this massive game and. You can't make three or four headers in an FAI Cup semi-final replay. I know, yeah. Can't do it. And so that was the 53rd minute with Benson. Put them 2-1 up. And our subs, um, I thought they were quite early this time, Carl. I thought doing it for Connolly, I think, with half an hour to go. Yeah. It was uncharacteristic of Bradzer. But he went for it. That's what I liked about it. He went for it. So I'm going to ask you something now, Carl. It's uh, your verdict on Connolly's season. I don't even know what to say. I thought he had a decent game. On Tuesday, actually, it's it's just uh, it was it was decent of the first half of normal time. I think it's just like meh, just like six out of ten, maybe you could say. I think mm. five would be harsh. Six out of ten. Will he be kept on? Will he be one of the the players to move on? Maybe. I see the future of this team as being Finn Bolger and McAllister. Yeah, and either Melee or Burke in the number ten role. 
and signing a good winger. Yeah, I, I personally think I think Connolly could be moved on next season, but I think Brad's likes him. So that remains to be seen. But then we had a tactical change, and we had Lukey taken off. Trevor went from the right wing to left full, and we put King put on the wing. Now, oh Carl, I'm going to say now, I'm laughing now. Carl, is it me, or does King struggle to pass the ball six yards? And I also noticed that he kicked himself in the face <laughs> trying to perform some sort of overhead kick. Uh, you know me, uh, uh, I have liked, I've liked King from what I've seen so far. Granted, he had, he had a stinker in Mission Park, but he, he did flounder in this game. Absolutely. He really came on and it was just like a headless chicken at times. He was struggling to pick a pass and struggling to actually decide what he was going to do. Having said that, from that substitution where Trevor went left back, that's probably when we really started to get the ball down and play. Yeah, no, it was. I, I did like it. It was a, it was it was an inventive uh, piece of game management and I thought, okay, this is this could work here. We could get deep. We could have Trevor coming from deep and he's an unknown entity and King. he come on and do something, which he didn't really do. But I was quite surprised Trevor started on the right. Yeah, and, and he didn't do the usual switching of wingers. Yeah. And Miele was very quiet on the left. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about Brando on this. Very frustrating again. And I already I have to I have to I have to issue a retraction for Paulie McGrath. He he actually disagreed with me. Yeah. But Paulie, where was he? Where was he this week? He was nowhere to be seen. As good as he is, and like Maloney said, the Brando enigma. Where was this guy in that game? There was 120 minutes, never mind 90. Brando just didn't show up again. I mean, it's so frustrating. I'm going to have a little chat about him in a while, but we're going to talk uh, more about the subs now and, I mean, uh, and, and and general tactics and play. But Lukey was coping with the pace of of the wingers in that game. I thought Lukey did well. That Lukey had a good game. Yeah, no, he, I mean, fair enough. He was under the spotlight starting that game because most of us wanted Trevor left back. Yep. Definitely was. And but that Lukey impressed. Yeah, no, he did. I mean, he, he held his own and he and he did really well. His anticipation is quite good. So that saves him most of the time from his, I wouldn't even say his lack of pace. It's just he struggles against pacey wingers. And uh, does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this this bit of magic from Shawzi just endeared uh-huh. me to him even more. Shawzi wins a header, right? Flicks it on. Wins his own flick on. So yeah. he actually passes the ball to himself. This started on the right side of the pitch. He ended up on the left side. Bombs along to the left side. Lays it off to Trev. Trev crosses. And Mikey, who came on for Pico, another tactical change, smashes home a bullet header off the bar. Oh. Panda fucking monium in the East stand. What a head. Against his, old, against his old club too. And he ran over to the, the dark fans holding the, che- holding yeah, the, the crest. Yeah, that's it. There's that crest. I know we... I know we uh, criticised Dylan Colony for doing that, but in fairness, Moggy had been getting stick from the away fans. The second he came on, they yeah. were chanting that he was shit. Yeah, and Mikey has bought into the Rovers' way life from day one. So, uh, Mikey, you are a hoop now, and don't worry, you can always move out of Dundalk. Yeah, great cross from Trevor. But oh, what a goal. But seriously, watch back what Shaw does for that goal and explain to me how anyone could not give him player of the year. Oh, he's my player of the year all day. I mean, look what he did. It was on par with Hendrick's bit of magic in the Ireland game. Yeah. Like, he won his own flick on. The one is passed to himself and then lays it off and then we 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 score from it. Like, it was f- amazing stuff. And uh, the East End just went nuts. Oh, it was mayhem. It was crazy. When was the last time you heard noise like that? Oh, man, it was nuts. It was brilliant. And It was the Cork semi-final goal. 
that was that was nuts but this was this was up another level ah it was it was crazy stuff it really was and it was just a privilege to be a part of it and like, I know I know like we're going to talk about Ed Saul's moral victories in a while and how much he hates them but <laughs> like that I just felt so I, I, it was the contrast of emotions just coming out of that game it was, it was crazy but next, we'll move back to the game we'll talk about the game extra time Carl we were dominant dominant in extra time those first 20 minutes before they scored yeah. we were smashing them around we were all over them all over them they, we really had them we had them by the, the short we coins. needed a goal in that 15 or 20 oh. minutes because of the delay as it turned out but Dundalk were playing for penalties I think yeah yeah it was it was yeah and um, I mean they did and, and what I will say as well is that Dundalk did everything in their power to disrupt that game lying cheating stealing feigning injury it, like it's it's just it really was a horrible thing to watch them you know break up the play like that and then then came the Royal Rumble <laughs> 2017 the um, melee the, the melee and yeah. I mean you know what like we played right into their hands let's be honest I mean they wanted that it broke up the game that killed their momentum we had been on top and it disrupted our momentum exactly Carl and Darren, Darren Dillon was sent to the stands surely that's yeah. a force the strength and conditioning because was getting the red <laughs> I've never heard of that. And then the ref proceeded to book everybody. Uh, Rovers players, Dundalk players, uh, T-Rex Masters, I think, Su- <laughs> I think Super Duck might have gotten a card. And then at one stage, it looked like he booked the whole main stand. He just showed the whole main stand. The card, he's like, you're all booked. I watched that back. I think he's actually just booking Trevor Clark. <laughs> yeah, but, it was very funny yeah, at the time. From the stand, it looked like... He's like, you're all booked. Booking Jose just for the crack. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it started with O'Donnell wrestling with Trevor Clark. To get the ball back for the throw in. Then Bradley pushed him. And then all hell breaks loose. Grimes, or Grimy as he likes to be called. Grimy. He ran over just to push Bradley. Then Trevor jumped in on that. But uh, yeah, it was it was a brawl. And then it kicked off again. It kind of yeah. kind of stopped. And then it kicked off again. And we started singing Stephen Bradley like Tony Hadley. Yeah, I love that chant. Yeah, so uh, great show from the fans. And also, great show from the fans for singing... Davy McAllister's song when Shields came on. Oh, I love that, yeah. But you know what? Do you know what as well? For Dundalk fans as well, they're very GAA orientated. I mean, I think I think most of them are kind of sitting down and just, you know, they're sitting there and and everyone's kind of like, oh, we have to clap for Dundalk. Like, obviously, that's not the accent, but it's just their own original bunch of fucking inbreds. Like, they, I think they sang the Celtic song, the, that that great song that the Green Brigade came up with for Scott Sinclair they just rob and and take songs from everybody else there's no originality there and I think at, at one stage they were they were they were singing where do we come from we come from Dundalk that that rubbish shit you sing at fucking when you're eight years old in Crow Park playing with your school you know there's just unoriginal horrible bunch of inbreds and you have no love for that town or them in general, and do you know what? Let's go on to the. Let's go on to the. To this, the this is one of your finest yeah, rants, by yeah, the way. Th- yeah, this is one of the. Just keep going. Let's talk about this potential boycott. I think fuck a boycott. Let's go out in numbers again. Out to out to Oriel Park. Let's pack the place. But beforehand, let's have a protest. Protest outside. Let's get some some banners and talk about what the problem is in Oriel Park. Let's call some journals and let's hit them where it hurts. Publicity, bad publicity for the club, and show them what it's really like in Oriel Park. No toilets for women. Bare essentials. Nothing there. Battlefield. Like I talked about last week in the show. If we're, what's the point in boycotting? 
I don't think boycott. Fair enough, you hit them in the pocket, but we're going to affect our team as well. And the atmosphere is going to be affected. And that is a big thing for me. So let's go out. Fuck the money. Let's go out there. They don't need it at the moment. So the best way to approach this now is they have money. So let's hit them where it hurts. Bad publicity. And expose what it's really like to go to Oriel Park. Where you actually... Sh- you actually think in the morning I'm not going to bring my daughter or my wife to Oriel Park because there is a lack of toilet facilities and you don't want them to catch leprosy so I'm done with that rant now but we're going to talk I actually probably have another rant in me as well because I mean three of their players were booked including O'Donnell uh, two of ours Darren Dillon was sent to the stands uh, Foghorn on the forum Regarding our discipline said, maybe we're learning as only our sending offs at night were our fitness coach and our midfielder playing with Ireland. So we're, we're getting one. sent off, off in the right ways. So then we had Shields coming off the bench. And as a fella in front of us said, Hallelujah. He said, I thought he was supposed to be dead. <laughs> yeah, that was a cracker. Yeah, to the left of us. Yeah, Four the- months out, riding an agony, agony on the ground out in Oriel Park and his season was over tragically but he was risen from the dead like he is Lord and he came on and you know what he did he dragged his foot along the ground in a mock limp oh, man. directed at the Rowers fans I'm telling you the lips will be bitten yeah. if I ever see him the, the, the knock physio came on the pitch a couple of times I want whatever is in that man's kid bag <laughs> because it must be glorious. Must have some he- serious healing powers. He has the cure for every sickness ever. This guy, I'm telling you. And do you know what? Did you see Gary Rogers changing his boots? Yeah. His gloves, I think, as well. Oh, man. I'm telling you. These guys have it sussed. The art of manipulation. But uh, 108 minutes came. And McMillan. The guy's on fire at the moment. Uh, Very much against the run of play. Yeah, Grace. Oh, with their first, that was, their first that was, shot goal. That was their first attack. Their first shot goal next time. Yeah, next 20 time. minutes. Yeah. Grace headed the clearance. I think it might have been a weak header. <laughs> I think this might got a deflection off Webster. Something happened. Yeah, I'm going to watch it back. Something happened. And um, it was coolly finished by McMillan, I will say. He got a lot of time to control the ball. No hatred for that guy. He doesn't seem like a dickhead or somebody that rubs things in your face he just scores his goal celebrates with his fans he doesn't seem like that type of guy you know I thought he got too much time to control the ball in the oh without a doubt second that dropped in the box I thought to myself he's I mean, going to smash this blame, ter- blame Tom or all you want but I mean how many yards out was that no you can't blame and him for that goal he has so much time I, don't, I won't blame him for that goal um, definitely not because no, it was a good finish it was in the top corner nearly 114 minutes then uh, O'Donnell sideways Stevie uh, got a goal by the sneaky, snivelling, dishonest, injury-feigning little toe-rag O'Donnell. I mean, you can forget Belgrade sideways. Steve, you are gone from the history books, in my opinion. Sully was the hero that night. You are everything that I tell my son not to be on the football pitch. A dirty, lying chi. That's all he is. Um, I mean... If you watch that, it was a masterclass in scumbaggery. At one stage, Carl, you pointed and you said, Girl, look at him, look at him. And the, pl- the he was on the ground holding his face yeah. and the play broke and I think Rovers lost the ball and then Dundalk broke to, to attack and he was up like a shot. He, I tell you, this guy should be a ref. He was sneaking up a look over his hand. Yeah, he was holding his head and he was looking down and the second they got the ball, he was up and he was shot off again. I absolutely despise this guy. I really do. He's a dirty, lying, cheating, little scrote is all he is. Well, that aside, can't argue it was, it was a super header. But I mean... Fantastic header, yeah. And uh, once again, I think Tomer possibly could was, have, you know, dominated his box. The first me was, this seemed like a har- harmless 
free kick in the centre circle. Which they just launched and he scored from. Yeah, random punt, you know, put it into the corner and let's hold up the play. Granted, we had just conceded... uh, We were pushing forward trying to get a goal. We just conceded the third and we were shell-shocked and all that, but... But once again, could you call that a deep cross? <laughs> could you call that a deep cross? Well, Finn, Finn didn't track O'Donnell for that header, I think. No. Um, oh, but listen, it was we we everything we put everything on uh, on the plate there, and we we really pushed. Oh, the players gave it absolutely everything, and you could see how devastated they were at the end. Ah, oh, man! Like half of them were lying on the pitch, just. But that shattered. fight that they had in them, there was fire in their bellies, and it really, really was a fantastic performance. And we lost four two, and I left that ground thinking to myself, we're, I, I, my thoughts were, I think we're we're a couple of signs away from winning the league in two years. I really do think so with the football that we play and the heart and the passion that the, those players that showed on the pitch that night. Uh, I'd I'd be similar to Ed Sol. I don't like moral victories either, but. I left feeling really proud of that team. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I thought to myself, I'm going to be in the horrors and work here. Like, I'm I'm in here all night. I wasn't. I, I, everyone was saying, everyone approaches me and says, oh, I'm unlucky at the game. And I said, honestly, excellent game of football. Excellent game of football. Great advertising for the league. And we played really well. We just got caught on the hop. That's all it was. And I like usually when we lose, I'm like a fucking demon. And I, I'll, I'll give them a quick synopsis of the game and then I'll just kind of go off under me rock but I, I was I wanted to talk about that because I was proud of how the players played I remember Dundalk were beating us pretty handily a year ago and now we're competing with them just maybe need a bit more street smarts yeah definitely agree with that definitely agree with that but um, uh, you had Bradza here Carol after the game you caught him and um, we'll, uh, we'll roll that one out so here's Bradza yeah I felt once we equalised I thought the momentum to make it too all I thought the momentum was with us but um, <laughs> We made two bad decisions and avoided times and they obviously punishes with the goal so we were disappointed with that. Players gave it absolutely everything. They wanted to be in that final so badly. Yeah, no, I thought they they gave everything, you know, and I thought like I said, I thought they showed the strength of character to come back with I don't know, six, five minutes left to, to equalise and then look like they're a stronger team. Teams are pushing on. Uh, I can't fault the players' effort, desire, or passion. Um was a great game of football now, but that's the semi-finals, you know, they're, they're usually not. But, uh, we just made two bad decisions at, at vital times and we got punished. Some of the players looked devastated on the pitch at the full-time whistle. What have you said to them in the dressing room? Well, we need to learn. We need to learn from that. Like, you know, that's, that's a lesson that we definitely need to learn from. Uh, I can't fault, like I said, their effort. But we need to we need to learn how to how to manage the game better, especially even if you go back to going 1-0 up, we can see it. I don't know. Within a few minutes, straight away, like you know, we we need to we need to manage that better, and and um, that that's that's our key learning from from that game. Going back to the first goal, it was an excellent strike by Finn. Yeah, it was a great strike. Uh, volley, half volley. He's already kept his technique right here into the ground. It was a great volley, you know. But like I said, it was uh, just disappointing that we didn't manage the game for a bit longer. And the timing of the first goal, as you said, and then the second one just after uh, half time. Yeah. Uh, the force one was I was annoyed with the force one like I said because we, we scored we were doing well and we can see it we can see it too early like you know um, straight after and, uh, I thought we should have done better for, for their second goal it was a it was a mix up in the box and then we lost the runner do you think the win was a big factor we were playing against in the first half yeah I think so I think you could see that with both teams it was a strong win and um, it affected both teams to be fair and if we use it to our advantage in the first half of extra time, yeah, that was probably our best spell. 
Yeah, I thought, like I said, I think uh, that's when we scored to make it 2-2. And then obviously we went to the extra time. I thought we were the team that looked strong. And uh, the momentum was with us, like, you know. But we, we gave away a, a really poor talk goal from your point of view. Incredible work by Gary Shaw for Michael O'Connor's goal. Yeah, yeah, I thought Shaw was a handful all night, to be fair. Uh, Caused him problems. And, and uh, no, I thought he was, he was very good and, and did well for Mikey's goal. Mikey's going against his old club, he really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was a great header, to be fair to him. It was, he's, uh, it was a great header, he didn't have much time to, to react. And he's, uh, he's, I think he's put on the, the far top corner, so it was a really good header. Is that one of the best atmospheres you've ever experienced as a, as a player or manager at the game? I think it is, yeah. I think uh, credit to the fans. They came out on the numbers. They supported us right to the end. Uh, they clapped the players off at the end. I think they know the players gave everything. Uh, sometimes that's the way semi-finals go. You know, you, you you don't always get what you deserve. You think this team will come back stronger? I know they will. I know, I know the characters we have. Uh, I know the personalities we have. I know they'll... Uh, They'll come back stronger uh, next season. But like I said, we need to learn our lessons because we're going to be involved in a lot of big games over the coming years, and, and we and we need to we need to learn how to to uh, manage them better. Right, so that was Brad Carroll. How was the beard? I didn't even notice the beard. Didn't even I was, know. I was too heartbroken, Gar. Well, I'd thirty years of hurt. You had uh, you had Brendan here, Carl. Brendan Fox. Yeah, he said, "Listen, the Brad there is brilliant. He's so supportive of the squad. He totally believes we're going places." He knows one or two haven't delivered, but he names no names. However, you know he's gone absolutely mad with the mistakes. I'm sure there's two or three players he wanted to throttle last night. Throttle, what a word. I felt like throttling people as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean... I can only imagine like the agony some Rowers fans have been going through this cup. Oh, I've only seen us lose eight FEI Cup games. Some people have seen 30-31 now. It's, it's really heartbreaking for some fans who've been following since the 80s and we're... We're really, really lucky to see that fantastic, magical team. And even some people who've seen the six in a row. So, I mean, I wasn't even born, Carl, in 87. So, it's hard for us to, to kind of understand an FAI Cup win. But as we say, the, the, the players gave everything. And this team, it deserves a decent crowd on Friday. I um, think so. Do you know what? Like, I mean, what a game. What a game. And I, I left thinking to myself, I cannot wait for Friday. I love watching this team play football. They're so yeah. creative. I've actually never been so absorbed in a game in my life. No. It was just... And I saw Lee Barnwell saying he was holding his heart and he tied my keel over. <laughs> You're not the only one, pal. I was doing the same. And, I mean, my my wife came with me because she's starting to get real... Like, she used to always come to games and then drifted away. And I mean, the, the missus doesn't usually come. It's the lads. It's kind of day out with a few points and all but geez, she was enthralled. She she yeah. wouldn't stop talking about him. She even rang me after and she goes, oh, should have beat them. And she was genuinely interested in it. You know, she was like, that was an unbelievable game. She goes, Jaden's never going to forget that, you know. But yeah, um, Even the scoreboard couldn't hate the pressure. The scoreboard, Bro- <laughs> Broke <yeah>. down. <laughs> and uh, what's the crack with the PA? We have to address that. There is a serious lack of PA going uh, on there. Can we just not hear it from the East End? I, I, no, I don't think... I, well, maybe we're open to correction, lads. Because I watched some of it on TrackChamp and I could hear it. And I, that's in the West End. Okay, okay. Maybe maybe yeah. that is the case. But I certainly didn't hear any announcements. Yeah. Not even for goals, not for... Um, and it's it's clearly audible where we usually stand, so... RT, nowhere to be found for this game. No. Probably the game of the season. The game of the season. And even the papers. The papers just didn't cover it at all the next day either. There was there was barely any coverage. I mean, they were all over in Wales and covering rugby, covering the Gaelic season, even though it's over. 
and you have like all these articles that are like what like tiny articles no photographs it's just a disgrace it really is i will i will say that the herald covered gave a fantastic write-up and a good good photograph a great write-up a really really fair and equal write-up as well so uh, the name i think his name is keen something he he really did do a great job reporting on that game so i think the irish time is the worst they just give it a few lines Irish time is disgraceful every week disgraceful nothing short of disgraceful but um you had you had uh, one of your favorite Twitter handles, Carl. Live at Oriel. Oh, he said that he was uh, stuck in the middle of the Rovers fans, and the abuse they were showing the Dundalk players was awful. Given Chris Shields' dogs abuse, the vulgarity terrible. Oh, he odd. You hear what they're saying about the Dundalk players? Oh, he odd terrible. You just shut up about that. I mean, you're at a football match. Think of it the children, happens, though, man. Girl. It happens. Think, you know think of the children. Like I say, like we are saying, on the bus out to uh, Dundalk, the Pat Martin's kids, Louis and Frankie, were were best pals with Jaden on the bus, and I won't name any, I will name any name, Tommy Kelly decides to chant about Akinati, and the three of them were discussing what a paedophile was, and we were just had heads and hands thinking, what are we, don't tell your mothers, please, Jesus, but <laughs> Tommy's there chanting Akinati, he's a paedophile, and <laughs> two, the three of them are going what's a paedophile oh, like, oh god <laughs> this is not the conversation for seven year olds but um yeah the official attendance was 3467 which seemed uh like a little bit less I thought that could have been near five yeah, but then again East Ham was full <laughs> and both sides did work hardened off yeah Ray Whelan said that he saw loads of lapsed Hoops fans around so Ah, great stuff. Hopefully they caught the bug again. Ah, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm always doing it. I'm always trying to drag neutrals along. I'm always talking to people and work. And I think, like I said before, Ken Barrett, the reason I follow Rovers, his enthusiasm is what dragged me into Rovers. Carl, I think my enthusiasm dragged you in. Definitely. And I think that's what it's all about. If you can, like, I'm, I'm always talking about it and work. Anybody who sees me and work, they'll talk, they'll say, oh, yeah, that's, that's Gareth. It's like Anto as well. They know Anto's Rovers mad. Rarely misses the game. You talk about rovers, everybody. That's that's your point of conversation with most of the people. I have randomers have listening to the podcast now that they, they think it's cool. They think it's a bit of a, they have a bit of a, there's a bit of content for everything, especially monthly madness. And if you can just kind of drag someone along with one of their kids and get them hooked as well, that's what we want, especially with talent in the catchment area that's there. Which I don't think we've announced a replacement for Graham Gartland, which is a really important role. Big boots to fill. A big boots to fill. A really important role in my eyes. Anyway, a guy that'll go around to the schools, give out free tickets, talk about the talk about Rovers. You're a local club, you know. It's a big one, so I'm sure there's plans there to announce a replacement for him, um, for next season. So, but any Laps fans who are at that game, I'd say they're only enthralled by the atmosphere because oh, that man. must have been the best in years. The place was rocking. I think what I said it all was, you know, the chant for. Stand up for the super hoops. Yeah. Even the West Stand were standing. The West Stand, and you know what? The and last when, time when that did happened? they stand? Michael O'Neill. That's when they stood. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it was. It was fantastic. Some yeah. people saying, "Well, we didn't sing for ninety minutes." But how often do you see fans sing for ninety minutes? No one sings for ninety minutes. Bar absolute lunatics in Greece, and I mean, crazy people in Serbia. Obviously, there's going to be a bit of a lull between two one and two all. Yeah, but. I mean, let's. Yeah, I mean that's that's dead. That's really true. And then you're talking about the ultras display as well, Carl. I mean yeah. another beaut. 
Steeped in history, second to none. Steeped in history, second to none. And you, the, the lads are putting up posts about themselves. Who are, they're, they're spray painting all through, yeah. all through the night. I mean, another beau pulled out a bag. Great bunch of lads. I think Davey and Fikra. And, and then we don't know those lads personally, but we know them from Facebook. And we know they're involved. I mean, imagine the East Ham without the Ultras. The, go- the group of lads, big group of lads there that are constantly trying to get the fans singing. I mean, it'd be a morgue. They're a credit to the club and they really yeah. are. So we're, we're definitely going to try and get them on and get a little bit of history about them. And they, Carl, we stand maybe, what, five or six rows above them in Block M and we watch them every week and we know what goes on. We know the effort that they put in. Yeah. And they do not get enough credit. And oh, you have people give, and do you remember people used to give out about them? Guys, shut up with your drum. Remember, I mean, these guys are there f- to help and because they're, they're members, they're season ticket holders, these guys are genuine hoops. So, I mean, a lot of big time. shout out, big big props to uh, to the ultras. The bruh, give them the daps, <laughs> as the kids say. As the kids say, yeah. Obviously, a lot of time and dedication went into a display like that. It was top class. Fair play to them. Unbelievable, and it's always bang on the money as well. Like steeped in history, definitely. Just shows you, uh, just showing Dundalko for what they are, but um. The, that was the that was the, the ultras so uh, fantastic stuff from them again and uh, the junior hoops girl <laughs> the noise of these guys oh it was gas I think we have a bit of audio as well don't we yeah listen to this this is amazing Yeah, so check them out, man. It's yeah. all about keeping them coming now. Bouncing the corner with all their green ribbons. Yeah, hopping around, big sea of green. Great to see. And uh, the Junior Hoops Player of the Year Awards and end of season party is going to take place on Sunday at 1pm at Tata Stadium. Players and management will be in attendance and all Junior Hoop members are invited. And you can watch the 2pm Bowls quarterfinal. That's right, yeah. That's, uh, that's a great... Do you know what? couple hours before the game yeah definitely heading so it's an hour before the game so you have to one hour yeah yeah definitely heading down to that oh yeah actually I'm going to head down to that I'm going to tell Jaden to get double the sweets yeah so get some sweets for the podcast Jaden <laughs> um, yeah so we have a serious issue now Carl we need to talk about Tomer well we have touched on it a bit but I mean can I call him the crazy Israeli <laughs> is that offensive I don't think so I don't know whatever you like um but they were, they were basic errors, weren't they? Man, listen, right, I'm going to... I like Tomer. I think his, his distribution is really good. He's right. He wants to start attacks by rolling balls out to the full He's a very good shot stopper. He can kick up both feet. He's a good shot stopper. But his distribution is excellent. basics. Yeah. Yeah. He gets the basics wrong. And sometimes he looks like a rabbit caught in the headlights. And his communication is really poor as well at times. He, I don't think I've ever heard him scream. You know, sometimes you hear a goalkeeper scream. He doesn't. His communication can be quite poor, and the basics like catching balls, corners, deep crosses, things like that. Like it, is he good enough? This is a big debate now on the rover chat. Is he? Will he be here next season? Is he good enough yeah. to stay on? I, I think he's getting a lot of unfair flack. I think he's getting too much criticism because he's been really good at times. He made some fantastic he's, saves. He's being hammered on, on Norbert's chat as yeah, we speak. And um, I'm, I'm sure his confidence is very low at the moment. And I wouldn't like to see fans get on his back. 
No, but there is a lot of issues there, and he is working hard. I mean, let's be honest, this guy does not do this on purpose, so all of the personal stuff needs to go out the fucking window and stop with that shit. Yeah. But it's not, he's not doing it on purpose. No one does these things on purpose, but he does have to improve if he's going to stick around. You say improve, though. He's 32, isn't oh, he? That's what I'm thinking as well. He's 32. Will those basics ever improve? Probably not. So you're, we're going to have to deal with this if we're going to hold on to him, and... He does club hop quite a bit. Will he just mm. jump ship and, and go off again? Credit where it's due. He did make two good saves. Two, a double when, save it was at the two time. One. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic first save. And then he was kind of slipping and he made the other save. But yeah. he has made some good saves. He has been good. Nowhere near player of the year. But I think it's gone all downhill since he wore that GAA jersey. I think so. He's been cursed ever since. Step foot on that hill. And the Sligo manager was there watching that. Probably licking oh, his lips. Oh, yeah. Would you play Horgan now against Sligo? No. no. If you dropped him, it would crush the guy. So I I think, um, no, I don't think I'd drop him. I don't think Horgan has played enough this season to, to merit a place in the squad in a game like this because it's still important. Sligo are going to come out all guns blazing. You remember that, Carl? They need to win. And uh, I don't think it'd be a good idea to drop him. I think you keep him in the team. Last three games... Man, it's a tough, tough. It's a tough, tough topic to talk about. So, um, like I said, he's getting a lot of flack at the moment. Where do we leave this? Where do we, where do we um leave this issue? Do we does it does it go on into next week? Do we? I think a, po- a poll a, a, does that won't even give us um what we want out of this. So it's definitely something we're gonna have to discuss again. So much was at stake in that game. Obviously, that's playing a part in people's reaction. It was a cup semi final. You made basic errors that sadly cost us the game. Yeah, but let's go back to it as well. How many times has he done that this season? That's the thing. Can you name like them? Like I said... Maybe Pats, he was poor out yeah. there. Until Pats, he was winning me over because I couldn't think of too many games where he'd actually been poor for goals. Like, fair enough, he gave us the heebie-jeebies, but... Obviously, the Maguire one was crazy. But that was it was good poaching by yeah, Maguire. Yeah, yeah. I know, like like, not, like, yeah. A, like was said to me, no other striker in the league will probably follow that up by yeah. him. Yeah. So... Um, I mean the penalty out in Bray only Bonimer would have given yeah, that penalty yeah a moment there. of madness as well like I think it might be a little bit unfair fair enough like we said is he good enough oh, this, 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 I'm going to have to think about this again Carl. Yeah, this well, is a pressing issue isn't we'll have it? to come back to it but. it's a really tough one so we'll, we'll move on anyway but um, we have um, Rovers Tales from the East End and programme stalwart Jason Maloney the biggest club a real football occasion tonight a great game, a great crowd and a great atmosphere. The type of event that will make fans return. Sooner rather than later we'll start winning these matches. Keep the faith, folks. And he also had a message for us here at uh, Tiftus. Will that take off? Tiftus. <laughs> Hashtag no. Tiftus. Hashtag Tiftus. Tiftus. And he said, if he's not on the already, can you please do the right thing and ensure that that pox Stephen O'Donnell is on the list of Hedro by the end of this week's show. An absolute scumbag of a footballer. A cheating, diving bastard who tried to referee games and incompetent idiots who officiate in our league fall for every time. And I, do you know what? I just, I, I feel exactly the same way, Jay. I cannot stand that. And like I said, I think it sums him up when I said to my son, I said, Jaden, don't ever do what that guy does on the football pitch. Because yeah, it's a cheating, lying way of playing football, and it just does not go down well. I Don't hate do his uh, his stupid fall forward that he does every time to win free kicks, and the ref buys it every time. The theatrical one. Yeah, yeah. And as Maloney says elsewhere, that he's always in the ref's ear for ninety minutes. Always, yeah. Yeah. Just hassles them, hassle merchants. 
But then, I mean, we that, have... But then there's more, yeah. There's Vemelund who said on Twitter, glad I never signed for that club. A, a classless goon that resembles a bulldog chewing on a load of nettles. That's what he reminds me of. And, I mean, wh- why did he even do that? He was subbed at half-time because he was roasted by yeah. a 19-year-old. Got the hook. He, he got the hook. And I, I don't... I mean, fair enough, he, he's, he's a decent... Centre half A half fit teenager Zipping by him Making a fool out of him Zipping by him Making a fool out of his big Goony looking head I mean Can't even spell the word final by the way <laughs> Yeah yeah He thought he was being classy And in finale um, And but then I mean Like I said Then you have Shields Shields has to go on it as well I mean he is robbing a living As a footballer Jesus Lister Hedge Is going to be bulging this week I have more talent in me Mickey Than he has <laughs> And that's not much <laughs> Then this guy has I don't rate him as a footballer I never did I think he is shocking And he's just A, a workhorse that can run He's a He's got a He can run a bit You know That's about it And And there you go O'Donnell Enough said about him I don't want to even Bother with that guy anymore Like I said He's dead to me Erase him from the history books And uh, Do you know what It's a triple threat Tales from the East End List of hatred this week. So Vemelon, Shields and Sideways O'Donnell. You're going on the list of hatred. Yeah, so the three goons I know on the list of hatred were racking them up here, Carl. Yeah, well deserved. Well deserved. And uh, yeah, so we're going to move on now and we're getting close to the finale of the questions from the East End, Carl. We have Cameron King and Dean Carpenter. This is the penultimate episode. A penultimate episode. So let's roll that one out and here's the boys. I'm here for a question from the East End with Dean Carpenter and Cameron King. I'm going to start with Dean. A spelling question. Spell the word shenanigans. S H I N I G H I N S. S H E N A N I G A N S. Okay, question two. Name the TV series starring Brendan Gleeson with a car in the title. It's an RT of the month. Um, Stephen King novel. The last, sorry? The Stephen King novel. Um, that's a uh, very good Well, I'll leave a certain amount of time. Brandon Gleason. I think you might have to get that one off with you. Is it a. Uh, what's that mission? No, it's a car in the title, like Ferrari or something. Oh, right. Um. Is that Mr. Mercedes? Which player had worn the number two jersey at Rovers before you this season? The questions are tough. Sean Heaney? Huh? No, he left the club in the summer. Shane Haney. Shane Haney. Yeah. Yeah. Which current Premier Division clubs have never been relegated? Shamrock Rovers. That happened once. Right. Um... 
Kvar sig. Two Dublin Cups. Bohemians. Yeah. And Bohemians and St. Pat's. St. Pat's. Yeah, I'm being generous there, but like, no. Yeah, okay, Cameron's complaining. No points. <laughs> <laughs> right, which of these is not hardwood? Ash, beech, pine or oak? Ash is one. Um, three hardwoods and there's one softwood. So I'm looking for the softwood. Ash. Ash, beak, ash, beech, pine or oak? Ash. It's pine. Re is the Irish word for what? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> no, it's a uh, king. Uh, the missing word here is the name of an American rock musician. So, Blank and the Heartbreakers. <laughs> Passed away recently. What's his name? Um, oh, Elry Lat. Okay here. Can you guys? Um, not sure. It's Tom Petty. Petty. Uh, what is the capital of Denmark? Copenhagen, is it? That's right, yeah. First point. <laughs> <laughs> Name the three World Cups that Ireland have qualified for. Japan and Korea. That's that's one. Um, America. Still, and um, the last one. Japan was the last one. America and Italy. Yeah. Nineteen ninety ninety four two thousand two. Yeah. Point. And Cameron King has two under twenty one caps for which country? England. What is the camera? Scotland. <laughs> They're not sound Scottish. <laughs> okay. That's two points for Dean. Yeah, and Dean. Okay, Cameron. Uh, Scotland's last qualified for a major tournament in what year? Nineteen ninety eight. That's right, yeah. World Cup. Was that actually? Yeah. Oh, great guess. Uh, which European country can qualify for their first ever World Cup on Monday night? For the first World Cup? The first ever. Northern Ireland? No. No. It's uh, Iceland. Right. Uh, name the current manager of Norwich. Uh, D- Daniel Falk. That's right, yeah. German. Uh, in the Blade Runner movies... What is a replicant? I've never seen the Blade Runner movies. Um, what is a what? A replicant. A sword? No, it's basically an android robot. Right. Uh, who invented the electric chair? A carpenter or a dentist? That was my carpenter pun, but he's gone now. Uh. A carpenter. As a dentist. In the game of chess, how many squares can a king move at a time and in what direction? 
a king can move he can move one in any direction that's right yeah uh, who recorded the 1963 hit song Ring of Fire uh, Johnny Cash yep and what is the capital of Canada oh no uh Vancouver no it's a tricky one it's Ottawa oh. yeah in what year did Robbers last win the FBI Cup uh 1984 or it turns to be how many years ago was it I think I, th I think somebody said about 30 years ago I'll take that, yeah. 30 years ago? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Take it. 1987. Right, yeah. Nice. You're on a roll here, except for Canada. Uh, spell Tomer Hinchinski's name. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I can spell Tomer, I think. Uh, T O M E R. Right. Do now, I'll just spell Tomer's last name. Ignore that. I haven't got a clue. We've got don't have a go? No. It's C-H-E-N-C-I-N-S-K-I. Right. I'll count up your score. We've got one, two, three, four, five. Five points. Five points? Yeah. Is that reasonable? That's reasonable, yeah. Good. So that's the boys. So we definitely knocking the Lukey off his perch there. Yeah, there's only one man to come, Gar, and... He was the first name out of the hat for Here the pre-season pre quiz. Do you remember he was on my table? Yeah, we're going to go for it. It is... The School Street Soldier, James Doona. James Doona. It's the last man standing between Lukey and the trophy. Yeah, I don't know if James, he listens. Jamesy! don't know if he listens, but uh, he's got he's to get 10 out of 10 on match 9. Can Doona do it? Can Doona do it? I think he can do it. So um, Just some uh, comments on our... Our one last week and we're going to Finn and Paul Curry. Yeah, yeah. We had uh, Richie Cavanagh saying, it's a sad day when the only Robert De Niro films someone can think of is Meet the Fockers and Meet the Parents. Do you know what? I, I cried when, when I heard that. <laughs> I mean, no Raging Bull, no Heat, no yeah. absolute classic films like that. You, you, thought, you thought Pacino was the one in, in Taxi Driver. Oh, he did, so he didn't say that. Oh, and Anthony Matthews says, Paul Curry must have only slept in a bus shelter at UCD. There's no possible way he was educated there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's a bit of crack, isn't it? This tells me stand. You have to say it. Uh, it opens your eyes, isn't it? <laughs> but um, yeah, so we're gonna move on now to the stats. We have to come up with a vo a, a sound for stats, Carl. Anyone who thinks we can come up with a a, a sound boy for st after I say how cool the stats are, let us know. <laughs> We've been mulling it for a while now. We just can't possibly think of what sound effect to put after it so um, we're going to go with Rona Finn has now scored 7 goals in Rovers Dundalk games 4 for the Hoops and 3 against and on Tuesday Finn lost a game that he scored in the record is over Carl I don't believe it uh. on Tuesday Finn lost a game that he scored in for the first time since he was with UCD 8 years ago in the previous 8 years so in the previous 65 games he was on the score sheet, his teams had won or drawn. And he'd only tell me that he wants to retire with that stat. Ah, Finner. And Unlucky, it's, man. It's gone. Workhorse. And you know what? As I said, Shaw, 
as we played here, Finner is really close second. Finner has been really admirable this season. He's he's must be run thousand kilometers this season. So Rovers have lost three FAI Cup finals and seven semi-finals since last winning the trophy in '87, all of 30 years ago. Rovers have lost their last two FAI Cup semi-final replays this year and 2014, having won their previous nine in '46. 57, 62, 66, 67, 69, 80, 47 and 2010. Both replays that have been played in Tallet were lost in extra time. The other was Sport and Fingal in the 2009 quarter-final. The Hoops had lost one other game in extra time since then to Bowes in the 2011 Nessa Senior Cup quarter-final. I remember that one. Rovers have lost by a score of 4-2 twice this season. The other in Bray having not happened since Shelbourne in 2003. Rovers have won five of their last six league games. They haven't drawn a league game since Pats on June 2nd. Sligo have lost just one of their last nine league games, winning three of their last four, so they are coming into form at the right time of the season. Battling in that dogfight down the bottom. So Sligo have, lo- have, Sligo have the most draws with 13, while Shamrock Rovers and Cork have the fewest with two. It's two draws this season, Carol. Yeah. Sligo have 10 defeats compared to the Hoops, 12. That tells a story, doesn't it? So last season, Sligo picked up 12 points against top three teams, and this season they have seven. Five of the last seven goals Rovers have conceded in all competitions have been headers. Sligo's top scorers are Kieran Sadlier with seven and Jonah Ayunga, who left in the summer for Cork and Galway, respectively, and centre-back Mick Leahy, who has four goals. Mikey O'Connor has made 18 sub-appearances in the league, more than any other Premier Division player, more than Boyd. Boyd was the main man for that for a while. And three of his four competitive goals for Rovers have come on as a sub, so we're trying to catch up with doing it as the super sub. John Russell has been sent off in both meetings this season. He has scored the winner for Sligo at the showgrounds in July, and uh, that was only their second win in 11 meetings. If Rovers win or Bray fail to win in Dundalk, the Hoops will qualify for Europe for a fourth consecutive season for the first time since the 80s. Six home league games without a clean sheet is a Tala record. Their last clean sheet in the league was here against Bray in May. Sligo hadn't won away from home all season and their last two victories at Cork and Finn Harp, so they're looking good on the road at the minute. In the last 12 months, Oriel Park and Turner's Cross are the only away grounds that they have kept a clean sheet. Rovers have won the last five meetings between the teams at home and Sligo have never kept a clean sheet at Tala. Rovers haven't failed to score at home to the bit of red since a scoreless draw in Talca Park in October 2007. Saturday's win over Bowles was their first home league game in 53 days. They had lost to Falkirk in the Scottish League Challenge Cup at the showground since then. Trevor Clark has twice been nominated for Player of the Month this season and Brandon Mealy is up for its September award which he has won and congratulations to Brando. He is player of the month for September. And Gary Twig was the last Rovers player to win it in October 2012. There you go. First time in five years we won that award. First time in five years, Brando. Um, well deserved, but like I said, we do have our problems with Brando kind of disappearing in games, but he is still a player we do need to tie down and keep a hold of because he's, uh, he's got that bit of magic. That's the stats. So we are going on to our starting 11s and predictions. So I'm going to go with a strong team, Carl. I'm going to keep Tomer and goal. Madden, Lukey, Pigo and uh, Grace. And I'm going to go with Finn and McAllister in the middle with Bulger. And I'm going to have 
Brando and Trev on the wings and I'm not sure who to start Shaw or Mikey because of his his fantastic goal but I mean Shaw is Shaw isn't he so no we're going to go with Shaw and maybe Mikey a sub appearance and I'm going to go for a 3-1 win I think I think we're going to concede uh, my team is Pico back in in the back four I went for a 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one, by the way with yeah. racing wingers going up the wing so mine's a 4-4-2 four, four, we've got Tomer Nuki Pico, Grace and Simon Madden Finn and McAllister in the centre Mele and Trev on the wings and I'm going to play Mikey and Shaw together up front great partnership up top I was going to do it myself I really was but uh, I opted for the one up front with Shawzy and I'm going for a squeaky 1-0 win squeaky 1-0 yeah like I said these are going to these are going to try and throw the kitchen sink at us so uh, you found something interesting from Sligo manager Jared Little Carl yeah, he did an interview back in July where he said, I remember he was the former manager of Cliftonville, and he said, I think there's more patience in this league than in the North. I know when you play with one striker in the Irish league, it's frowned upon by some people, whereas here, it's the football mindset, supporters buy into it. They love the ball being played out from the back, and supporters love good football, they love attacking football. It's not route one, it's not back to front. I remember Jason McGuinness made the point, when he was playing for Cliftonville in the Irish League, that he never the head of the ball more in his whole career, because it was just back to front. Yeah, that's a it's a it's a it's a great crow. So um, remember we had Nolan Devlin on the show earlier talking about Jerry Little at uh, Cliftonville. Yeah, yeah, he was chatting away about him. Saw Nolan up in Dundalk. He was uh, he was stopping boy taking in a game. So uh, that's it for this week. We have uh, plenty to come, and look out for. Super season finale extravaganza bonanza session. Yeah, more on that it's later. It's going to be a big one. We have a big, we have big things planned for this end of season special, guys. So definitely, definitely keep your eyes and ears peeled and open for that. But uh, that's the end of it now this week, guys. Thanks for listening, and we are still sponsored by Peace Tree East for this season anyway. And uh, we're going to try and seal Europe. And if we can't relegate Pats, let's at least send the bidders down. So see you in the East End and keep on hooping, folks. See ya. Suck it to me. Floating in the river with a saturated liver, and I wish I could forgive her, but I do believe she meant it when she told me to forget it, and I bet you will forget it when they find me in the morning, wet and drowned, and the wood gets round. I'm going down, I'm going down. I'm coming up for air, it's pretty stuff under there, like I said, I didn't care, but I forgot to leave a note, and it's so hard to stay afloat, I'm soaking wet without a boat, and I knew I should have taken off my shoes. It's front page news Going down Going down I wish I had another drink I wouldn't be so hard to sink I should have taken time to think Besides I got the picture straight You must have had enough